Sporting dog adventures run. That boy, run. was awesome. Everything you Good need boy. is here. here under the sun. Everything you need is here under the sun. It's Jeff Fuller from the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, and I need a little help. Please stop what you're doing and give us a five-star rating. Follow us on the platform you're on. Give us a thumbs up. And above all, share our podcast with your friends and family. Our podcast will grow even more, and we can get more people involved in the sport we love with dogs in the field. The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Saki Acres Retrievers. Whether you're looking for a black, yellow, or chocolate Labrador Retriever puppy, please check out our website for more information at www.sagiacres.com. You can also email Jeff at sportingdogtv at gmail.com or call 262-215-9683. And remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Hey, welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers, and we have a fun show in store for you today. I know we missed last week, so we are going to cover our training in the Gundog Training Program during Training Tips. One thing, we've been really busy. We had a bunch of litters. I've got a bunch of little pups, so it just it takes a lot of time. Haven't figured out how to get myself structured up here so I can do two podcasts a week for Hunty Guy podcast and an episode for Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. I had one set up and someone canceled as a guest. So then it turned into, I'll try to get it rescheduled. Didn't get it rescheduled, got late in the week and decided we would just push it to this week. Now on this week, I want to talk about something that I deal with every year around this time. And it is, it's common. It is the how old should a dog be before they go out hunting? And how it normally comes up is you usually will get calls at this point in spring to summer and people will say, well, I don't want a dog now because I want one that's at least six months old so I can take them out hunting in the fall. And that is a commonality. That is a common thought that people have that we take them out to train them so they learn. I know for people that follow the show, you realize what I'm going to say, and that is you don't take dogs out hunting until they are trained. Training has less to do with being in the field and far more to do with obedience, control, and introduction to things. The reason that I wanted to talk about this with everyone is that I've gotten two calls this year from people that had dogs that they took out to get experience and it was it was at the be the request of someone that was had supposedly more experience in dogs they told them you know you'll take your dog out well my dog out there your dog will see what to do and both of them have gun shy dogs it breaks my heart when this happens because it is a misnomer that we train dogs to hunt dogs are bred to hunt if you have a dog that does not have drive and that does not have desire they are not going to hunt folks you have to get a dog with ability. We have this thought process that as long as the dog is a high percentage mixed breed of a certain hunting breed or just a hunting breed itself, that from there, it's just taking them out and hunting with them. That may work a couple of times for people, it may work on a small percentage, but the people that are doing that are the same ones that name their dogs and use the same name for their dogs when they're out in the marsh. Damn it. 
damn it, come here, damn it, come here, can't, damn it. They are yelling at their dogs, swearing at their dogs because the dogs aren't listening and they blame the dogs. The dog didn't learn well. No, you took no time to train. You didn't plan. You have people that will have dogs that have no drive and they'll blame the dog because they cheaped out on the price. You have people that don't know how to train and refuse to spend the money on training. So they will not put that financial or time commitment in and then they want to blame the dog. It's not the dog's fault. Look at yourself in the mirror. This is something where we need to make sure that we are taking our dogs out. We're properly working with them on our groundwork, which if you're following the gun dog training program, it is until six weeks that I take dogs in the field. So for six weeks, I'm working on mouth control, obedience, introduction to things, and getting them so they know how they're supposed to behave once we get them out there. You can get dogs that have tragic consequences. Dog runs in front of a gun because the dog does not stay. That is something that I've never seen in the field, but I've heard of very common. I had a guide that I hunted with once and his dog bolted out about a month after I filmed with him, leaped up in the air off a snowbank and was shot. I wouldn't want to be in the field if something like that happened. That would be so incredibly scary. You can try to blame the hunters, but when you have a dog in a dog blind and you're in ground blinds and the dog breaks out in front of everyone, if there are low flying birds, you're focused on the bird. We need to have them stay. All dogs break. My dogs have broke. I work with them every year to make sure that they are in line. You want to work on this stuff so that you have them so that they are trained. Again, Scarlett right now, I mean, she's getting ready to train. She's got her duck. Oh my gosh. I literally will have, on a side note, when I'm doing these uh, uh, podcasts, uh, also when I used to do Facebook Live, uh, Memphis was always the one where she would come and sit on my lap. She was a co-host. And they hear me start talking and I think they realize that, wow, he is unable to get away from us. So we are able to play with him. So that's what we are doing right now. If you see me tugging a little bit, see my body get jerked around, I'm playing tug with the dog. I can do two things at once. But anyway, your dog being shot, a dog running in the wrong direction, people won't have them collar trained properly. They'll hit the collar, the dog will bolt and continue to run and they lose their dog. Dogs that are hunting near a roadway, run out on a road, get struck by a car. These are the tragedies that can happen. Dogs getting injured. But you also have one of the most common ones is gun-shy dogs. Now, I would venture a guess that probably 75% of dogs, if not higher, can be shot over just right away. They won't get nervous about it, but at least 25%, could be higher in that end too, will be noise sensitive if you don't introduce them properly. The question always is, my dog is gun-shy, I need it trained. At that point, you're looking at probably about a 25% chance if or less that that dog can be recovered and actually be a hunting dog. They have had a bad experience. If it does happen, only let it happen once. The other common thing by people that will take their dogs out to get them trained with experience by being in the field, they'll continue taking the dog out again and again and again. If you have taken a dog out and you've gotten them to the point where they are so incredibly scared after 10 times in the field, you're pretty much looking at just having a, a great pet. Not that there's anything wrong with having a Labrador Retriever as a pet or a hunting breed as a pet, but we like to look at things and we like to 
have things set up, which what which is what our dream is. You want to have that dream of being out there with your best friend, your dog, hunting, having them perform, having them just knock it out of the park. Take the time to work with the dog. So what age do we take dogs training? And that is always a great question. The age for dogs training is not how old the dog is. It's their age plus three months so that they're trained. I start training dogs at six months, anytime after six months. So to give you an idea, dogs that are born, we just had a litter born yesterday. It's April. Those dogs would not be in training until late October. Well, in Wisconsin, that would mean that we're looking at next year. So you get those dogs into training when you get to spring. I know that seems like, oh my gosh, I've got this dog. I want to take them out. I want to hunt with them. I want to do all this stuff with them. You're going to wreck your dog. You've got to make sure that they're mature enough to train, that they go through training. And then at that point, you're going to have so many happy years with them. Take the time, get them trained. The age is not a number by the dog's age, yet when they start their training, plus three months. So if you're looking at a dog that's six months old, you can take them, you can train them. They're ready to go out and hunt at, at nine months old. Now, I will tell you, dogs that are young, uh, I've worked with a lot of them, and you will have some that just, they look phenomenal on one day, and then on another day, I'll have clients that will, will be inquisitive when they call, almost like I didn't train their dog. Now, they know I worked with their dog because I have them out and they work with me, but it's, it's, they have days when they look fantastic, and then they will have days when you just shake your head. My... Suggestion to people is always don't brag about your dog until they're gone. No matter what age, you can talk about how great your dog is, brag them up to your buddies, and then things will happen. And people are just going to look at you, look at the dog, and kind of shake their head. It is something that when everything is right, it is so much fun. When something goes wrong, you know what? Honestly, at that point, it just gives you something more to work with. When you have issues in the field, work with them when you're not on the hunt. We don't train in the field. That's when we're handling the dog. If you have issues that are that are coming up and you get to the point where you're like, you know what, this just isn't working, you got to leave the dog at home until you get that fixed. You will know how good of a trainer and how you have gone through improved steps to make sure you are through them by how the dog performs. If the dog starts to struggle, you need to take a step back to where that struggle is in your training and fix it. So I hope that helps. We have two great segments coming up after this one we're going to do our gun dog training we're going to call it finishing school uh, because we didn't do last week but we're basically into week nine and ten and we're going to talk about how we finish our dogs as we're working with them now with experience now is fun my son clayton he uh decided he wanted to train dogs this year he even told me the other day he goes dad it is so much fun working with them now because now the elbow grease is for the most part is done we're now taking them out, we're teaching, we're getting them experience, and we're letting them learn. This is where we are going to get them out, give them hunting-related type scenarios so that when they see them, they aren't foreign. And I'll explain that more in the hunting tips. And then in the or in the in the training tips, in the hunting tips, I really want to talk about the importance of figuring out where your blinds are before season, what we're going to do and how we're going to make things easier to get into our spots so that we can have more successful hunts. We are going to actually put in some 
different things that we have so that we can, I guess, sneak into our blinds and not take our Argo in. If you take a boat, maybe not take a boat all the way in so you can sneak in that last 50 to 100 yards where you might bump birds out, but at least it's not a big machine that's going to sit there and putter and sputter while you're waiting to set your stuff up. So we're going to have all that more coming up after this. Welcome to Boucher and Janesville, where customer service is our number one priority. Our customers come back to us because of the experience that we provide for them. We're here to make sure that we find you the right car, one that fits your budget, and do so in a timely manner. When we say we ride with you every mile, it means we care about you and how you are treated. Estamos con personal que habla español en los departamentos de servicio y venta. Our certified technicians are here to help you with all your service needs. Visit us today at Boucher.com. At Boucher, we ride with you every mile. The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. We all know that unexpected accidents can happen. That's why I partner with Trupanion's breeder support program to send all my puppy buyers home from Soggy Acres with an offer for Trupanion coverage. Learn more about Trupanion and sign up for their breeder support program by visiting trupanion.com breeder. Be sure to tell them that Sporting Dog Adventures sent you. Hey, welcome back to the show. It is time for our training tips and we are in week nine and week 10 of our three month gun dog training program that I do here at Soggy Acres Retrievers. Again, I've been asked if we would do DVD series. I've been asked if we could do something online. Honestly, I don't have the time to put into that, nor do I think it would be worth the overall investment. Um, I just don't, I, there's so many good training programs out there, but what a great way to go through training and talk about it here on the podcast. So we have started working with our dogs in the field and over the last week and this week, this is what I'm working with on the dogs. So we've perfected our tree, our, our retrieve. We've got them so they're solid, they're seated, they're waiting until their name's called. We're giving their name, you know, Scarlet. They're going out fetching, retrieving. They're picking up what we put out, whether it's a bird or a bumper. They're coming back. They're sitting at heel, they're offering us the bumper. Now is the fun where we're starting to add in the different concepts. Land, water, land, going from land into water, up onto land, I have channels on my property. It works out so well because I can teach this complex task in, I would say it's probably 10 yards, literally from where they go from one bank through a canal, up onto another bank, pick it up and come back. Now, what we're struggling with this year is it has been cold and the dogs, a couple of them, really don't like the cold water. So you're trying to get them to take a straight line in. You don't want them to bank run and come around back. So when they're coming back with, with the bumper in their mouth, you're calling them here, here, here. You're giving them a good hard here to get them so that they understand they have to come back. If they're bank running to this side, I'll actually walk a little bit to this side kind of pull them over that way so they don't think about running 20 yards down, 10 yards over and 20 yards up. It is putting them in a position where they're taking a straight line there, straight line back so that it is the fastest point 
and fastest retrieve, which is what you want for if you're going to run competitively, but also for hunting. What we did past then, where our canal is, we've got land, water, and then land, and then it drops back down and there's swamp grass behind. And the swamp grass right now, it has not started growing. It is a little bit, but there's enough dead grass where it's about that tall. Perfect for a young dog. So it's starting to throw that bumper where it's past the 10 yards of land into water, into land, and then 30 yards into the grass. Why do we make dogs sit and wait? We're making them sit and wait until we release them. One, for safety, but two, so they can mark properly. If you let them break, which is where you throw it and they take off, they aren't going to see it drop because they're going to go down into the water and then it's going to drop and they're going to come up and they're not going to know where it went. It is hard enough to get a young dog to mark properly. Now, if you're putting them when they don't even mark it at all and having them go out there, they're going to go hopefully on a big hunt where they work until they find it. Many times they will get frustrated, quit and come back. So you have to make sure that one, they're seated, they're waiting, and they're seeing it fall. And I do this with some different strategies. One, I talk to them when I throw it, I'm like, sit, good, sit, sit. When I'm about to throw it, it'll be a loud sit. It'll be sit. If a dog is broke before, I'll say sit and I'll nick them with the e-collar. Now, the other thing that's key, <coughs> do not auto-release a dog. You will see people that are always releasing on the same, basically the same format. They basically throw something, count to three and release the dog. Now they're not counting to three, but it takes them that long until their hand goes down to give the dog a line and then they release them. Make the dog sit there for longer. Make them sit there for 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Vary your release and that will really help you with them breaking because they're not gonna know when they're gonna be sent. If you're reinforcing stuff when they break, with an e-collar, they're not going to break if you're not sending them at the same count every time. The other thing is have your collar on continuous at this point. If the dog breaks, we hold the button down and say here, 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 until that dog turns to come back to us. And then at that point, let the button off. Now, what you'll see with dogs is they will actually then decide, oh, hell with it, I'm going to get it. And they'll turn back to go back. And again, same thing. Hold the button here, 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 make them come back to you, make them sit, then release them. You will have times when the dog is under duress and the dog will not want to go then, just go out and pick it up, throw it again. If the dog, the dog may miss their mark because they get so spastic with being corrected and wanting to go and excited that you might have to go pick it up, bring it back, throw it again. If you do this multiple times, the dog will understand they cannot break. The other thing that you want to do is start to incorporate for gun dogs, yeah, honestly for any dog, because any, even if people are running competitively, work in a dog blind. We started with the dog blind the last week and this week. We are now running out of the dog blind so that the dogs understand that they have to go on, on name and then come back, sit, give us the bumper, and then go in the dog blind. Now this works out good. I've got one specific dog that he loves to break. He loves to be in charge. He also does not care for pressure. So when I'm going to throw a bumper or when someone is throwing a bumper for me on the field, he's looking up at me. Now he's a sharp dog. He can pick up and retrieve properly because he's watching out of the corner of his eye, but we don't want that. So how do you fix that? You've got a dog that's stressed. They're looking up at you. What do you do? 
dog blind. Hold the flap, make sure the flaps are open so they can see out, work with them on it, make sure they're stationary. But then when you are gonna throw a bumper and you tell the dog, mark, good dog, mark, and they know that the bumper is coming that they get to retrieve, step back so they can't see you. They'll stop looking. They're now looking out because they're waiting to watch the bumper. They can't see you to look up. Now, if you stand next to the, out in front of the dog blind, you'll look, they likely are gonna look up at you. Take a step back, let them focus, and work with them more out of a dog blind. As dogs get success, as dogs do well, you will see less of this issue. Now, my co-host is here, Memphis. Now, Memphis likes to run out of dog blinds. She actually is very cute. She is very small in them, and ah, she runs well out of them. Memphis thinks dog blinds are all made for dogs like her because they are quite small. I will tell you that you want to make sure dogs are in a dog blind before hunting. You want to make sure a dog fits. There's some dog blinds are bigger than others. The one thing I like is I like the dog blind that is only open to one end. I don't like it when they can run through like a uh, like a tunnel. It just seems like it sets you up for more issues in the field, more issues in training. I like to have that one that has that solid back on it. The other thing, if you can find it, there are very few options, but there used to be one at Cabela's that was a uh, dog crate blind that zips shut in the front. I like that because quite honestly, all dogs can break at some point and it's a safety issue. So I will zip my dogs in and then when it's time, I'll unzip it and let them out. Now this isn't applicable on all hunts. We have certain blinds that you're sitting up quite high and we've got our elevated blind that the dog is in separately. But overall, it is something that you can put the dogs in a position where they're safe. They can see because this one has mesh and they're going to be sitting there until released. Even if you train on this and you will hear people that'll say, oh, my dog never breaks. I can give you an example. My dog Ace, he's qualified all age. He had his master title. I got him back, took him out hunting. It was a teal hunt. He's sitting there. I'm talking to him like I should. I'm handling him. We had five birds out in the water. One of them was still moving, still flapping a wing. And it got to the point we had more birds working where Ace just couldn't handle it. He had to go and he broke. And he broke three times that hunt. We fixed it. He wasn't happy with me. We fixed it. But it is something where no matter what your title is in your dog, no matter how much you have trained them, they get excited just like we do. They love hunting just like we do. So put them in a position where they're safe. Work with them every year, several times a year on just being steady and then go from there. I mean, Memphis will tell you she fits good in a dog blind, but she'll break too, won't you, Memphis? The other thing is remember that you're working with birds. Do upland training as well. When you do upland training, that is having two people where you're walking next to each other. Put the birds on the outside of you. Call the dog back and forth. I use chuckers, I use pheasants, and I use ducks. It is great for the dogs. They get experience, they can be successful, and you're working on multiple things. People will say, well, I don't upland hunt. I don't need to work on that. There are more times when you're out in the field, whether it's on a field hunt where there's grass or in cattails or just in a swamp where the dog needs to go on a hunt and knows how to go back and forth and quarter, pick up birds and bring them back. It is all applicable. It is something that's easy to work on. It's easy to get a lot of bird work in too. So you're getting a lot of bird experience for the dogs picking up different birds. 
all at once while you're working on two tasks at the same time. So that's what we're working on in finishing school. The other thing is use your whistles. If we have, I don't know if we've talked about this, but use the command here and then beep, 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 multiple, three times. Here, beep, beep, beep. The dog will come to you within a couple of days. It's just beep, beep, beep. The other thing we can start to institute is the one whistle sit, which is the dog is out. Beep, sit the dog, work with them on it in obedience, and then start to use it in the field. Now, this is something I don't work with them until after three months, but just something that you can start to incorporate that will help your dog and help you be successful in the field with them. So that's it for this part of the training tip. Next week, we'll be back with week 11, and then we've got week 12, which is graduation week for our dogs in training. Next up, I want to talk about the importance of setting up your spots so you can get in efficiently, as quiet as possible, and get your, your decoys out on your waterfall hunts. All that and more coming up after this. Kennels can be beautiful. That's the basis on which we built DCT Kennels. We give you the opportunity to have a beautiful kennel that blends seamlessly with your home decor while providing a safe and comfortable respite for your dog. Visit dctkennels.com to see all of our custom selections and start building your dream custom doggy crate Denza. If you love the shooting sports like I do, you need to check out our friends at Mac Outdoors. They have fantastic products, whether you're looking at shot shell or metallic reloading, or you want to get yourself a clay thrower so you can practice up for the season. For more information, check out their website at MacOutdoors.com. Hey, welcome back to the show. Memphis is still here co-hosting with me, and I wanted to talk about what we're going to do up at our property. So we've got one of our properties where it, both properties are quite marshy. We've got one property where to get to some of our duck blinds, we have to go through an area. The Argo is there, you're roaring away. I get it, we have boats, we have Argos, but we're gonna actually put a crossing in so that we can walk across. We're still gonna bump birds out of that area, but we're gonna be able to walk across so that we don't have those big lights going, so we don't have the motor going. And it's my estimation that that will help us where the birds will come back in. And the other thing that we're gonna do this year is mark some of the trails we used last year when it was very dry. We found some good trails to get into spots that weren't marshy, so we could get in quickly. We'll put those trails in once we're later in the season so that they're walking trails, but we're gonna mark where they're at on our maps this year so that uh, mapping software on our phones, that is, so that we understand, okay, this is the spot to get in so that we don't have to, again, make a lot of noise. It doesn't take us a long time. We can get in, drive in, kill the motor, kill the lights, throw the decoys out and sit down and let everything get back to normal. There are so many ways that we can be efficient and that we can help ourselves as hunters. So that's what we're gonna do this year is figure out that approach so that we can get in quietly so that we can get to our blinds that are going to be set up before season and so that we can really have success once we get to hunting time out in the field. So I hope that helps on this week's hunting tip. 
Thank you so much for watching today's episode of Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. If you haven't, check out the Hunting Guy Podcast. That's our other podcast that's basically, it's, it's more broad. We cover some waterfall hunting. We cover deer hunting. We cover elk hunting. We cover turkey hunting. It's more of a general hunting podcast, which is what I loved. I wanted to have something where I could talk about everything. And if you can, give us a thumbs up, five-star rating, share us with your friends. We are the fastest growing dog-related podcast out there in the entire United States, which maybe we're not, but I feel we are because I see the growth. I want to bring my love for dogs, my love for waterfowl hunting, upland hunting with dogs in the outdoors to more people. Also, when you look at season coming up, find more people that have not waterfowl and upland hunted and take them out and get them, get them some experience in the field. Grower sport. We far too often are worried about leases and Instagram photos of our catch. We got to grow our sport. We got to get more people involved. I hope that helps. Hope you guys have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in and God bless. Sport.